the Great Commission. Um, last week we began by looking at the worship that we see by the disciples in verse 17. So the 11 there that had gathered in, in Galilee, it says that they worshiped him. And then we also talked about uh, this curious phrase at the end of that verse that says some of them doubted. And so tonight we're going to pick up in uh, the next verse. We're going to start with in, looking in verse 18. Um, and we're going to see that Jesus tells the disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And kind of a good summary or good synopsis of, of what we're going to see tonight uh, from these words is that the sovereignty of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest motivations for missions and our greatest assurance of success. And so let's start in verse 16 and read down through verse 20 uh, again this evening. Um, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. So again tonight, verse 18, um, as we look at that, and we, we think about tonight the motivation for fulfilling this great commission, this, the, the motivation for going, for taking this gospel to others. And, and there are several facets to uh, the motivation to do this. One would be our love for other people, right? We, we value them. We, we believe that hell is real. We believe it's conscious, eternal torment and, and being forever relationally separated from God. And I mean, it's, it's terrifying. We know the language that the New Testament uses to describe this place. It's outer darkness, the, the language of fire and burning and overwhelming thirst where the worm does not die, where there's great weeping and, and gnashing of teeth. And, and all of these things are used to describe the horror of, of hell. And we love people, and we don't want them to experience these things. Instead, we want them to experience the, the profound peace and, and the joy and the eternal life that comes through a relationship with Jesus. And so that's a great motivation for, for sharing the gospel with others, and especially those that we dearly love, like our family and friends. Uh, those who are close to us. We said last week that the, the focus of the Great Commission is not first and foremost on the command that is given. We should not look at these verses primarily through, through the lens of, of what we ought to be doing, though that's true. The primary lens through which we should see these verses is that they're all about Jesus. He is the focus of the Great Commission. And worship of Him is primary. And because all people do not worship and glorify and make much of Jesus, we go and share the truth with them that Jesus might receive the glory and the honor and the worship that he is due. It's a very, very God-centered way of viewing this commission. And, and so um, the motivation we looked at 
last week for fulfilling this great commission is that Jesus might receive the glory due to his name from every nation, tribe, and people group on earth. And tonight, as we continue on, we look at verse 18, we're going to see this great source of confidence and the source of assurance that we can have as we seek to fulfill this great commission because we're going to see the, the authority that Jesus possesses. So the first thing we see in verse 18 is that Jesus came and spoke to them. So it seems that um, when they first saw him, when they, they worshipped him earlier in, in verse 17, there was apparently some kind of distance between Jesus and his disciples. But here it says that Jesus kind of closed that distance. He, he came close to them. Or he approached them. And he spoke to them. And as Jesus begins here to speak, he tells these disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Um, one interesting thing is to notice the use of the word all throughout this passage. It's used several times within just a few verses. Verse 18, it's all authority. Verse 19, it's all nations. And all that I have commanded you. And in verse 20, it's um, always or all of the days. So th there's this all-encompassing aspect of the words being used here. And, um, in addition to the, the word all here in verse 18 to describe the authority of Jesus, Jesus also uses this phrase, in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth. And it's, it's one is known as a, a merism in Scripture. And, and this is when someone uses two contrasting words to express the entirety or the completeness of something. So you can... See there, an example of this from kind of from our everyday speech would be if we were to say something like, I've looked, I've looked high and low for that thing. I, I cannot find it. I don't know where I put it. High and low, meaning we've looked everywhere that we know to look, and we still can't find it. And that, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's emphasizing the entirety and the completeness of his authority. There's nowhere we can go we were not under the sovereign authority of Jesus. We, we see this kind of language used elsewhere in regards to Jesus. In, in Colossians, Paul writes this, For by him, by God the Son, all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Again, the focus is on Christ. The word that is used here, authority, is it means the right to control or to command. It, and can be translated authority or, or absolute power. Um, and it's a word that we've seen before in the book of Matthew, um, where Jesus talks about authority. Um, you might remember the account of the men who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Um, to be healed by him. Mark and Luke tell us that they had to actually lower this man down through the roof to get him to Jesus. And this is what it says. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic 
lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blasphemed. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? And here it is in verse 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He's in, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. And then, of course, this, the reason that this caused a problem, and the reason that the, the scribes said that this was blasphemy, is because only God has the authority to forgive sins. And if only God has the authority to forgive sins, and here Jesus claims that he has the authority to forgive sins, then Jesus is here claiming to be God, which in fact he is. God the Son in human flesh. But it's this idea of authority, even to forgive sins. All authority, Jesus says here in the Great Commission, um, it's been given to him by the Father. He has absolute power over all things, all people, all nations, all circumstances, all events, all of life. We see this in Ephesians 1, uh, where Paul writes this, that, that God the Father worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There is nothing that is, is outside the sovereign control of Christ in our lives. And that includes the salvation of sinners. There's also an allusion here as Jesus speaks to uh, the Old Testament, back to the book of Daniel. And we see the fulfillment of, of prophecy in these words. Daniel chapter 7 says this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so here, Jesus in this great commission is telling his disciples that he is this son of man from Daniel 7, and that his dominion or his authority has been given to him by the Father, and it is over all things. And so then we know that, that God has for himself a people of every nation and tribe and language and tongue. And, and we read in Revelation that the, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down before the Lamb. And they, they sing, worthy are you to take the scroll and opens its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe 
and language and people and nation. It will happen. This is how we can go in confidence. God the Father has those people for himself that he has chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, as Ephesians 1 says, and God will save. And Jesus has the authority. He has the authority and the power to, to rip out hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh. He has the authority to make dead bones live. He has the authority to spiritually bring life to spiritually dead men, just as he did physically to Lazarus. He will save those who are his. And that's the confidence by which we go to our family. And we go to our neighbors, and we go to our coworkers, and we go around the world to take this gospel message of salvation. There has to be an assurance. There, there has to be a confidence there. I think about people throughout history that we read about. The, think about the Moravian missionaries that, um, when they went to go leave, to go to the mission field, they went and had... Um, their coffins made for them. And they would take their, their coffin and they would pack uh, their belongings in it. They used their coffin as, as luggage, basically, when they went. And so what does that mean? That they're not coming home, right? It's not short-term. It's, it's permanent. Um, they would be buried among the people that they were taking the gospel to. How can they have that, that kind of confidence to go and do that? It's because all authority has been given to him. I think about the, the men we read about, like William Carey and Edna Arm Judson and, and Hudson Taylor. and They spent decades in India and in Myanmar and China giving their, their lives in the midst of so much discouragement. I mean, many of these men, because of disease, because of tragic circumstances, they, they lost children, they, they lost their wives. And buried them on the field? How can they go and do this? You know, do they go, well, just kind of hoping that, that maybe, maybe there's a chance that, that, that they would share the truth and someone might listen to them. Someone might be saved. No, they went with, with this robust, bold, steadfast understanding of the authority of God the Son over the human heart. And they went, and they shared in confidence in, in his power alone to save his people. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to him. He has promised to save his people, and he'll do so. He is, um, but we also see in Scripture that God, in his wisdom, has determined to save them through the proclamation and hearing of the gospel message. He has chosen to use human beings, to use us as secondary agents, and to give us this tremendous privilege of, of being included in this task of saving a people for himself. And Paul writes in Romans 10, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So God regenerates the human heart. It is he alone who saves. But he has chosen to save through means. He has chosen to use us to go and take this message. And the thing of it is, we don't know who God will save. We don't, we don't know whose heart he's going to regenerate, right? There, there's not a list somewhere that we can go find. There's no, like, distinguishing mark on people to know that we can see and identify. And so, therefore, we've got to go, and we've got to proclaim the gospel everywhere, and we've got to share it with everyone. And, and so we take this general outward call of the gospel to repent of sin and to believe on Jesus and be reconciled with God, and we share it with everybody. We go and we, we work and we study and we prepare and we teach and we preach and we counsel and we live alongside our neighbors and we pour out our lives that they might know the truth of the gospel message. And through all of that, us pouring our lives out in that way, then the Lord miraculously and, and supernaturally takes that outward call of the gospel and he uses it and he, he issues this inward effectual call that saves. And again, this is how the Lord has designed it to work for his own glory. And so as we said at the beginning, the, the key here to this phrase that Jesus uses in verse 8, all about his authority it's all about us having the confidence and assurance and the boldness to take this gospel and to go knowing that his word will not return void and that he will save a people for himself so next time we'll come back and we'll together and and we'll look at uh, this actual command that comes next to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for tonight and for this small phrase that we see in Scripture that has such a a huge, huge meaning. All power, all authority given to Christ. And so, Father, we, we pray that we ourselves tonight would Submit our hearts and our minds to that authority. Father, we pray that we would take the good news of salvation to those around us, knowing that that authority will accomplish its purpose. So, Father, help us this week as we go to be obedient, Father, out of love for you and love for those around us. Lord, may we worship you and may we share this truth. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.